Well, welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. So I'm going to continue part two uh, out of the book of Revelation, talking about the tribulation. And so why you don't want to be here for that. So <laughs> you're not going to believe this. I literally just did 37 minutes and I read out of the book of Revelation, did commentary, read out of the study Bibles, two different study Bibles, and uh, went to upload it, uploaded it. And yeah, my microphone was on mute. And so I was listening to the playback and I'm like, wait a minute, is my speakers unplugged? Like what, what's going on? Look down on my mic, and yeah, it was on mute. So that uh, that's not very good. So anywho, let's jump into this, and hopefully this will um, play for you guys. Hopefully I can get this done. So we're going to talk about the Book of Revelation, and so we're going to talk about the Great Tribulation. And so where we picked where we left yesterday or last night, we're going to pick up tonight. And so of course. The last one we talked about was the heavens were struck and the angel was flying through the midst of the heaven and saying in a loud voice, whoa, whoa, whoa to the inhabitants of the earth because the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who were about to sound. So here we are. Now we're, we're, we're into the woes and so now we're going to find out why this is so bad, right? Okay, so chapter nine talks about the fifth trumpet, the locust from the bottomless pit. So and I do apologize. We have thunderstorms going on here. And uh, my little chihuahua is terrified of rain, lightning, thunderstorms. So if you'll hear him, he's over here kind of, he's wanting to get up in the chair with me. So yeah, he's, he's scared. Bless his heart. And so uh, anyway, so it says the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like a smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the, the then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, nor any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like the lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like a sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions and there were, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, his name is Apollyon. Oh, one woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things dog up here because he's wanting to get up here <laughs> and so anyway so why you know it, a while back when i studied this you know years ago i've been studying eschatology for like 35 years now for a very long time and um i i thought you know when john was 
you know, like caught up to the heavens, you know, and, and Jesus is showing him like what's to take place, what's going to happen in the end days. And I'm thinking, whoa, these must be helicopters. And you'll hear a lot of people say that these are helicopters. This is what John is talking about. And then I thought about it, you know, years ago. And then yeah, the more you read it, the more you realize, no, this, this is not um, this is not helicopters. This is not any warfare. Right. These are demons because the Bible clearly this tells us that they are released right from the bottomless pit. I don't see helicopters coming out of the bottomless pit, but there's demons and they come out of the out of the bottomless pit. And that's what their job is to torment people who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. Now, this is during the tribulation, folks. Now, if you're a Christian now born again, Bible believing, you know, Christian that man, you you know, Jesus Christ is your savior. And you didn't just say a little prayer when you were a kid. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I've told you guys all about that. So if you are a born again, Bible believing Christian, you will not be in the revelation. You will not be in the tribulation. Jesus Christ told us we were not meant for his wrath. He suffered the wrath of God in our place on the cross. Therefore, we are not meant for his wrath. And this is Jesus pouring his wrath out on the earth, on the unbelieving earth, right? So Anywho, so where I was going with that is um, we we aren't man for his wrath. And so this is actually what is going on. And so these are demons, right? And they're out on the earth. And so if you have, so in the, I mean, in the tribulation, there will be millions of people saved. Millions, millions of people. There's 144,000 Jews, like I talked about the other night, um, earlier in the chapter. And they were talking about, uh, there are evangelizing Jews. So there are 144,000 preaching the gospel, right? And so millions of people are going to be saved, right? And so these demons are going to go out and they're going to sting like scorpion, right? And they're going to torment men for five months, five months. So bad that people will want to die, but they can't die. God will not let them die. Could you imagine wanting to die, but God's not going to let you die? Woo, tell you what. But anyway, um, but they will not touch the the people who are saved. They will not touch the people who have accepted Christ as their savior and their king during the tribulation and so wow it's going to be it's going to be crazy so i want to read to you guys a little bit um out of the david jeremiah study bible so if you haven't got you a good study bible john MacArthur's got a great one um dr david jeremiah has a fantastic one i've got warren wearsby here as well i may look into um and read a little bit out of it just kind of give you guys like an understanding like you know kind of really what's going on and so here in chapter, let me go back because I had just finished all the way to what all I read earlier, which we won't go into, you know, I will, I, we can, we can do it again, right? This gives me practice in reading the Bible. So anyway, um, so here he talks about, so this is chapter nine, verse one uh, through 21 says, the Bible presents hell as a literal place designed to punish those um, who rebelled against God while on earth. It is not a state of mind or a myth as many modern religions claim this chapter presents a preview of the horrors of hell on earth during the great tribulation as horrible as it will be it is only temporary hell itself is worse not in the least uh because it never ends so here he talks about this he goes when the fifth trumpet blows it will be as a as if every prison on earth through open its doors and set the vilest offenders free only these doors will belong to hell and the offenders will be demonic instead of human. He goes on to say, the star uh, is a metaphor for a supernatural being, he, him, not a celestial body. This unnamed being who falls to earth during the uh, judgment of the fifth trumpet is undoubtedly Satan. And he talks about that in Isaiah 14, 12. 
and verses 12 and 15 in Luke 10 and 8. So, and of course, if you can go back and you can also read further ahead in Revelation uh, chapter 12, verse 7 and 9, it talks about that as well. So he continues with the smoke that rises from the pit. Hell is depicted as a place where the fires never go out. That's in Mark chapter 9, verses 48 in Luke 3, 17. The locusts are not real locusts because they do not harm the vegetation. They have a king, and this is uh, Revelation 9, 11 and Proverbs 30, 27. And God promised never to release worms of locusts in judgment again after that particular plague in, in Egypt. Rather, they are an image of demons swarming over the earth. So he goes on to continue, because John's metaphors are meant to describe strength, aggression, fierce, fear, or I'm sorry, fear, fierce oppression, and destructive directed power. The locusts will attack those who are not sealed by God. The 144,000 Jewish evangelists will be protected along with the Jews and Gentiles they have won to Christ. Many will long for death as an escape from the torment of the demons, but will be unable to die. The torment that the demons inflict will be both painful and protracted. The sting of a scorpion, yet it will not lead to death. So he says, um, the demon's power will last five months, the average life cycle of a locust. Both the king of the demons and all the demons uh, themselves are fallen angels. The angel of the bottomless pit is the devil. So it says, the Hebrew and the Greek titles, Abaddon and Apollon, mean the same thing, destroyer. The command to judge comes from the whole. Okay, here we go. So let's move along. So this is the sixth trumpet, the angel from the Euphrates. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. So he's talking about, wow, wow, already. And it says, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of the mouths, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like the serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Can you imagine? They still refuse. They still refuse to repent. Oh, I tell you, folks, well, we're seeing that now. But of course, you know, when it comes to this age, whoo, my goodness. And I just, it just blows my mind. But anyway, so David, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah says, um, both the, the king of the demons and all of them are the fallen angels, which is the bottomless pit, which is a bad and appalling, right? So the command to judge comes from the horns of the golden altar. The altar's position before the throne of God shows that the judgment of the sixth trumpet answers the prayers of the tribulation martyrs. Remember way back in uh, chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. 
Uh, these four angels are not to be confused with the four good angels mentioned earlier in chapter 7, verse 1. They are most likely high-ranking fallen angels, perhaps the invisible powers behind the nations in the tribulation, which is Dan chapter 10, I'm sorry, Dan, Daniel chapter 10 in Ezekiel uh, chapter 28. The Euphrates, the most frequently mentioned river in the Bible, is always associated with God's judgment. It originated in the Garden of Eden, and it flowed south for 1,780 miles through the Mesopotamia. The first sin, the first murder, the Tower of Babel, Babylon itself, all were near this river. The place of the four evil angels in the plan of God is precise. Did you guys notice that? Because I noticed that when I was reading it. The only thing missing is the specific time of the release, which is known only to God. Matthew 24, verse 36. If people knew the hour and the day and the month and the year, they would orient their lives around this date rather than around God. So he has not revealed it. He goes on to continue and he says, Revelation 6, 8 began with 25% of the world's population being killed. Remember? Well, we talked about that. Now, a third of the remaining 75% will be killed. So with the completion of this judgment, nearly half of the world's population will have perished. It says, worship always dictates work. So he goes on to talk about, John described four works of those who worship idols in tribulation. There's murders, including all the valuation of human life, sorceries, which is drug use, sexual immorality, all sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage, and theft, dishonesty. And twice, John tells us that rather than falling to their knees and crying out for God's mercy, the people in this vision, like Pharaoh after the plagues in Egypt, did not repent. The word sorceries translates the Greek word pharmakon, pharmakeon, from which we get our word pharmacy. Ancient drug-based occult practices such as astrology, witchcraft, <clears throat> and divination were a gateway to demonic possession. The use of mind-altering substances, doubtless with the approval of the government, will be associated with false religions in the end times. Honesty and conscience will die without the sanctifying presence and restraining influence of the Holy Spirit. In the end times, there will be no moral order to God individual behavior. So, you know, I've talked about this too, because when the when we're raptured, which, you know, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a born-again Bible-believing Christian, you are filled with His Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the restraining force. And so... When we are yanked out of here, the restraining force is gone. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? It's gonna be it's gonna be terrifying. It's I mm, telling you, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't made your profession for Christ, today is the day you want to do that. So next is the mighty angel with the little book. This is chapter 10. He says, I saw this is John talking, the apostle John. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his head his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are on in it the earth and the things that are in it in the sea and the things that are in it and there should be delay no longer but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel when he is about to sound the mystery of god would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets 
John eats the little book. So verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the scene on the earth. So I went to the angel and I said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. And so David Jeremiah breaks this down a little bit so we can understand it. And he says, this verse, he goes, okay, for, uh, 10, 1 through 11. He says, these verses provide relief and hope for every believer. Many have heralded this vision as one of the most magnificent, magnificently glorious pictures in all the writing of human history. The angel has appeared twice before, first as a prophet, then as a priest. Here he is, the king. Clouds, which symbolize the presence of God, uh, are this mighty angel's clothes. clothes. And so it goes on to talk about uh, where he can, where, where that talks about that in the Bible. It says um, Revelation 1 7, Exodus 16 10, 19 9, 24 15, 34 5, and Acts 1 9 explains this. So it kind of gives you a backdrop of where they, where he's getting this interpretation from, right? So this is the same book that is described as a scroll in uh, Revelation 5 5. However, it is unsealed here. All the judgments have been released, and the Lord holds the open book as proof that his wrath has been fulfilled. For the first time, for the first and only time in this book, John is forbidden to reveal the content of the revelation he receives. Although the Bible frequently compares the voice of the Lord's judgment to thunder. Of course, that's in Job 26, 14, 37, 5, and Psalm 29, 3-9. The meaning of these seven thunders will only be known when God decides to make them known. A reminder that the secret things belong to the Lord our God. That is Deuteronomy 29, 29. So sin has apparently gone unchecked and evil has been unbridled, but the mystery of God's final judgment uh, and triumph will be revealed at the end of the tribulation. This is the first time that John has been asked to participate in one of these scenes. He is uh, told to eat the book that is in the angel's hands. And so, you know, uh, this is what he says John was uh, to take in so much of God's word that it would literally become a part of him. This is the kind of spiritual involvement that all preachers should have with the text before they open their mouths to declare God's truth. We don't see that. We see him like Andy Stanley letting them play uh, Stairway to Heaven and ACDC in their church. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> so the forthcoming judgment represented by this book would be sweet to the taste, but bitter in the belly. For John, there would be joy in proclaiming God's truth, but sorrow in contemplating its rejection by those who would not hear. Preaching prophetic truth is a bittersweet experience, he says. And uh, us, you know, anybody who tries to warn the world or try, if you try to, you know, witness to your friend or witness to your coworker or anything like that, and of course the rejection, you know, is, 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 is sorrowful because we know that you know if 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 they don't accept christ in this life once you die you're not going to get a second chance and you will go to hell the bible says without christ you go to hell um and that's just that's that's just the truth you know you can't sugarcoat that you can't water down the gospel you can't water it down you're only uh you're only going to send people to hell and give them a false assurance that they have when they don't so you can't do that so we, we're not called to do that so the next one is, oh boy, this is the good one. This is the two witnesses. So we're here going to talk about the two witnesses. I think I got enough time. We're only at 20 minutes. Let's jump in 
to it. So this is exciting, folks. <laughs> this is exciting. Okay, so we've gone through the bottomless pit. Okay, did I read the bottomless pit? I believe I did. Yeah, the angels from the Euphrates. Man, so, you know, that's just, oh, it gets exciting. It gets so exciting. So let's move on down here to the witnesses. So these are the two witnesses. So a lot of people think that this is um, Moses and Elijah. Because, you know, uh, Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind, you know, in the chariot and it was taken to heaven, right? And, of course, Moses, you know, Michael and Satan um, were disputing, you know, where Moses was buried because, of course, you know, God buried Moses or Jesus buried Moses, right? And so um, people are wondering, like, could it be? I personally think it's, it's Elijah and Enoch because Enoch walked with God and was not before God took him. But, you know, whoever they are, it, you know, that's not a salvation doctrine, you know, that doesn't make it or break it right. But it's so, so kind of neat to just, you know, wonder about these things. But, you know, hey, anyway, so the two witnesses says, then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple and do not measure it for it has been given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. So these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. So this is why they think it's Moses and Elijah, because Moses did the plagues, right? And so totally foreseeable. I can see that. I mean, you know, I can see it being Moses too. Or in and, and, and Elijah, you know, I can totally see that because the fire from heaven, the fire, that's what they, you know, anyway. We won't get into that. So you can make your own your own uh, conclusion. But anyway, it's just neat to think about it. But anyway, so we have here. So this is what um, David Jeremiah says. We're not going to get into the rest of that. But we are going to talk about this part. So he talks, many scholars consider this chapter one the most difficult in the New Testament to interpret because it's mainly talking about Jewish. So this is mainly to the Jewish people. So and when you think about that, um, the uh, goodness, that water bottle was loud. Sorry about that. Um, so when you think about this, the whole great tribulation is actually towards God's people to the Jewish people because he's so merciful and he loves them so much. So mm, that's basically what this is like talking towards. And so for Gentiles, for, you know, it's a little bit, you know, kind of out of our league maybe, but anyway, so let's see what he says. So he says, um, uh, but we can, but, but we can read it with understanding by keeping these presuppositions in mind. Number one, this chapter is essentially a Jewish chapter of scripture. It focuses on Jerusalem and the temple and the place where the, the place of the Jews in the activities of the end time. This is a prophetic chapter and does not describe historical events because of course, you know, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. That was totally before John wrote the revelation. So anyway, this chapter is to be interpreted literally people numbers places and events the temple will be rebuilt by the jews who have been gathered again uh, sometime during the tribulation period so he says um they will build in the name of god without knowing him at all here we 
Of course, here the Antichrist will ultimately set himself up, up, up as God, which is 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. Measuring the temple has nothing to do with determining its size. Rather, it describes God's pending judgment against the idolatrous worship taking place there. So, anyway, he takes the rod, which is not, uh, it's not technically measuring, right? So, it's more talking about... Uh, here, the rod signifies God's judgment, as it often does in Scripture, as well as his protection and preservation of the true worshipers. The two witnesses are real human beings, believed to be Elijah and Moses. So this is Dr. David Jeremiah, and so this is his uh, study notes at his study Bible. And so he says, they were sackcloth because they are mourning the spiritual condition of Israel. In images drawn from the Old Testament, they are called olive trees and lampstands to signify their ministry of light and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's talked about in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 2 to 4, and uh, verses 11 and 12. So it says, um, I don't want to jump ahead of myself here. <laughs> so it says, uh, uh, 11 verses 5 to 7, If people are following the will of God, doing what he has called them to do, they are immortal until God deems them finished. Until they finish denouncing wickedness and proclaiming Christ as Lord and Judge, says testimony, these two witnesses will be protected. So 11, 7, it says, This is the first reference in Revelation to the beast. He and his false prophet are paired against the two witnesses. He continues, and I'm not going to go any further than that because that's going to go into what happens to the two witnesses, which I'm going to save that until tomorrow. So that will be exciting for tomorrow, what happens to the two witnesses. And of course, then we get to talk, I'm going to skip ahead in the seventh trumpet is like the kingdom of God is proclaimed. Then we're going to talk about the woman, child, and the dragon. Oh my goodness. The mark of the beast. Um, so much stuff is still to come. And so I hope you guys will join me tomorrow uh, when we talk about that. Um, so you got the beast of the earth, the beast of the sea and all kinds of fun exciting stuff to come and so you'll kind of maybe have a better understanding of what the tribulation is and why it is so bad and what you know it really is all about and so anyway um i hope my rambling and this i hope this you know blesses somebody i hope the holy spirit can use this uh to speak to somebody and uh, to maybe be an encouragement or to you know get you excited about the word of god to get back into the word of god um, anyway, uh, I just pray that the Holy Spirit can use this somehow. And I just appreciate, you know, everybody listening to me ramble. And, um, you know, I really do appreciate that. And uh, anyway, um, if you haven't checked out my website, you can go to Bible Prophecy, the number four today.com, and you can check that out. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys. So with that, I'm going to get off of here. As always, you know, get in the Word of God, let the Word of God get into you. And Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Thank you so much. Be blessed.